Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Master has proven to be a reliable constant in the Doctor Who universe, but is the Doctor's meddling Time Lord antithesis pure evil, or just misunderstood? Most of the time, villainy is the name of the Master's game, but it's done with such a jovial abandonment that viewers can't help but see the fun side of it. They are like a cheating version of the Doctor, breaking all principles of science and morality to serve their own end. Nothing the Master ever does is straightforward or safe. Remember that time when two separate incarnations simultaneously murdered each other and then just sort of laughed at each other about it? Ridiculous. The responsibility to playing such a character is therefore no mean feat. The Master has taken on many different guises and siphoned through styles a great deal more varied than the Doctor, and that makes for a very eclectic list of personas. Only in Doctor Who could it be possible that all these actors contributed to one singular creation. But which one is the best? Welcome to WhatCulture.com, we rank things. I'm Rich, your go-to for Doctor Who, and this is Every Master Ranked from Worst to Best. Number eight, Peter Pratt slash Jeffrey Beavers. Kicking things off with two, I make the rules, shut up. Who knows what would have transpired if the mighty Roger Delgado hadn't died tragically in a car crash in 1973. After this sad chapter in Doctor Who history, the master remained in a flux and eventually returned as a flaky-faced ghoul in two separate Tom Baker stories. Two different actors took on the role, but both portrayed the same turbulent incarnation of the character, hence why they're together. Though on paper, this stage of the Master's troubled existence was pretty cool, the rendition itself was fairly wooden. We've all learned, especially through modern adaptations, that the Master needs that, that pinch of humanity or mischief and humour to be compelling, and it was impossible for these traits to be manifested while the villainous Time Lord skulked around in a hooded robe looking like a rubbish skeletor. Look at him. Fortunately, this period of the Master's life was pretty short. In one of the blandest regeneration or mergy scenes in Doctor Who history, this haggard persona morphed into the decidedly more charismatic Anthony Ainley, and things improved massively there on in. The Master was destined to never be so dull or flaky again. Don't leave the oven on, and don't stick your face in it, you twat. Number seven, Eric Roberts. The 1996 one-off reboot of Doctor Who was a funny one. It wasn't bad as such, but it left so much of the classic Doctor Who behind that it was only partially recognisable as being part of the same brand. Paul McGann, however, did a great service to the role. I miss him. Bring him back more, please. At least they brought back one of the classic Hallmark, and that was the master, more specifically Eric Roberts' rendition of him. Given that the show was now in the hands of American production values, the character's continuity following Anthony Ainley's final bow out was kept remarkably slick. Roberts also put some decent touches to the role, but ultimately, it just wasn't the real thing. Whether he was dressed in shades and leathers like a super cool rad dude or in an unsuitably flamboyant Time Lord costume, good grief, you don't see me dead in that, this master was less of a master and more of a two-dimensional villain, the likes of which we have seen 
way too many times before, and not just in Doctor Who, just insert a generic villain here. Evil shades, weird eyes, and... <laughs> Rubbish. It was a solid effort on Roberts' part, but as far as history is concerned, it added little to nothing to the mix. Shame. Number six, Derek Jacoby. By all rights, Derek Jacoby would be higher up on this list. He was phenomenal, but he only served the role for the last segment of a single episode, making it a swift but memorable run for the character. Though hiding in plain sight under the guise of the comparatively lovely Professor Yana, Jacoby's villainous reveal at the end of Utopia was a sublimely shocking moment. And it was the first time fans got treated to a master in a very long time. There was no better candidate to reintroduce the character than Derek Jacoby, as his Shakespearean performance allowed the switch from good to evil to flip in a swift and jaw-dropping fashion. He was strategically placed to give John Sim his own extensive tenure, but the impact of The Master Reborn may as well have been a dull thud if it hadn't been given to this kind of build-up. Also, credit to Jacoby for being like a huge star, happily taking the mantle of this character for only a very short time. Regardless of his fleeting appearance, this own individual take on the role allowed him to become a fan-approved and essential marker in the Master's timeline. Though he's done a bunch of big Finnish audio stories to tie between the end of the 1996 movie and into Utopia, so he's not entirely a one-trick pony. Number five, Anthony Ainley. Anthony Ainley was a workhouse master and deserves credit for it. After all, no other incarnation of the character has managed to terrorize the Doctor through a whopping four regenerations, starting with Tom Baker and concluding with Sylvester McCoy. His service to the part is unrivaled, and he also appeared in some of the most crucially iconic Doctor Who moments. He was one of the central villains in The Five Doctors, a discouraging apparition terrorizing Peter Davison during his death slash regeneration scene, and he battled Sylvester McCoy near enough to death in the final episode of Doctor Who before its hiatus, aptly titled Survival. All in all, Ainley's rendition was a faithful reimagining of Roger Delgado's performance, even if it was a little less slick. He was a bit more of a, a mustache twirler than his well-rounded, sort of more grounded predecessor, but like many other Doctor Who actors, the dodgy writing of the late 80s undermined his skills as a performer. He still, however, managed to play the part enthusiastically and consistently. There are many a good Anthony Ainley scene to be found, just go YouTubing, as all fans will tell you. Or subscribe to BritBox. We're not sponsored by BritBox, but all the classic who's on there, and it's great. Number four, Sasha Dwan. His job was to mainly follow Michelle Gomez, John Sim, and Derek Jacoby. Tough gig. There seemed to be an everything but the kitchen sink quality to Spyfall Parts 1 and 2, which might have left many fans a little bit bewildered and uncertain as to where the show is actually going to go, but there is no denying that Sasha Dwan took on the mantle of the master and gave it everything he had. He was bitter, violent, jovial, and smart, all in intense measures. Most importantly, he left us anticipating his next appearance, and that cannot be understated. Though previously playing a frustratingly wooden villain in the last series of Iron Fist, Sasha Dwan proved himself more than worthy this time around. It could be said that the performance would be tepid if it weren't for the inspiration provided by all the masters before him, but there's no denying that Dwan used all the correct bits when building his version of the character. When the dust eventually settles on the Whittaker saga, as it does on all sagas of Doctor Who, this rebooted master will certainly be remembered as one of the tenure's highlights. Number three, Roger Delgado. I am usually referred to as the master, declared Roger Delgado in the terror of the Autons, and so the rest was history. In the 1970s, Delgado played a black-clad goatee sporting antithesis to the Doctor, and yet there's somehow managed to be more to him than just that. 
Whether he was spouting villainous rhetoric, acting as the Doctor's disgruntled ally, or just laughing at alien puppets on a kids TV show, Delgado put everything he had into the character. Up until this point, all Doctor Who baddies, even the scary iconic ones, were just a little bit deadpan and flat in the personality department. So viewing a more human, not really, more complex and cerebral adversary was a real change of pace for the show. It's easy to understand why the Master remained integral to the mythology right up until today. Roger Delgado was as energetic and as charismatic as any modern day interpretation of the role, and his on-screen chemistry with John Pertwee's Doctor was endlessly delightful. His sudden death in 1973 remains a heartbreak to this day. He was one of the greatest performers to ever grace Doctor Who. Number 2. Michelle Gomez Missy was a master like no other. Stephen Moffat was a serial trickster, which meant that we spent the entirety of the series not knowing the true identity of this perturbed female character we saw constantly. The eventual expression on Peter Capaldi's face during the reveal is priceless, and it wasn't just the male-to-female transition that made this master special. Michelle Gomez took the character and made it her own in a way that nobody else could. In equal bounce, she took the master's wit, savagery, and lack of sanity to whole new depths. Her costume alone was terrifically wild. It was this weird, demented nanny kind of thing. It was everything we knew about the character, but different again. Gomez's three-dimensional rendition even allowed for a path to redemption storyline, which lasted a whole series, whereby we see her beginning to struggle against the villainous side of her past. It was the first time that the master had a real in-depth character arc with no straight lines and it was one which Gomez pulled off with effortless flair. Missy was therefore unique, iconic, and one of the biggest breaths of fresh air in the character's history. Of course, I'm just as intrigued as to where Sasha Twan's incarnation fits in. Chronologically parallel to the Doctor, he's after Missy, but then that whole redemption arc would have been negated, I guess? We'll have to wait and see. Admittedly, regeneration does change your personality somewhat. Just look at Peter Davison into Colin Baker. Davison was a charming, handsome young man, whereas a trip in the TARDIS with old Colin was like wanking with red-hot sandpaper. The Master's insanity might have just come back like that. Dunno. And number one, John Sim. Doctor Who made its return, it was a hit, and everybody immediately wondered when the Doctor's dastardly counterpart would be making his big comeback. After some slick build-up, Derek Jacoby, thank you mate, John Sim's master was born and everything about him was basically perfect. He matched David Tennant's charisma, nuance for nuance, and exuded fun-loving and narcissistic and unfathomably clever wickedness for every moment he occupied the scene. His relationship and the dialogue with the Doctor was gold, and the ensuing drama during each of his episodes made for a hearty blend of laughter, tears, and grit. John Sim seemed to have a natural intuition for playing this character. The humanity, the cruelty, and the desperation all came out during his tenure, and it meant that the bar for Doctor Who's most interesting baddie will be forever sky high. Though more recent successes have come up with something special to at least try and match it. After a nifty resurgence at the tail end of Peter Capaldi's run, we even got to see how this one died, which is a rarity. Plus, he'd grown the iconic master goatee. Journey complete. Shame we knew he was coming back. Damn you, BBC! No, I won't stop complaining about that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm